Well, good morning. We are on a series of biblical parenting, or biblical interactions, if you will, with children. Today, I don't want to go over everything that we've already talked about, but I do want to talk a little bit about the boundaries and expectations that we, we set for our children that we talked about a little bit last week. Last week, we went over... Um, how to set those boundaries, and how to keep our children within the biblical context of what God has set. We looked at Exodus 16 um, and how God provided the manna for His children, and He told them how to actually uh, gather it each day. Over the series, we looked at the Sabbath, and we'll look at it a little bit more today, um, and how He has set that day aside in a way that if we honor Him, and we honor the Sabbath, that we can get to know our children in a way that He would have us uh, get to know them, and He knows us because He interacts. He's a God that will interact with us and loves us and helps us along our journey and our path. We talked about setting expectations to help our children gain the rewards in heaven and how they can gain rewards just even uh, in our own houses from day to day. Today we're going to look more about the follow-through of the consequences and also of the rewards. So today, I, I know I wish Randy was here. I had promised that I would bring some type of cookie. And I do have cookies. Um, these are to be cherished because they are my favorite cookies. My wife makes them about once, once a year. And I'm down to probably my last dozen. So when I hand these out today to who I choose to hand them out to, please know that they are very cherished. So that's something, right? We tell our kids all the time. You can earn a cookie if you do this. Perhaps, Mary, if you will continue to smile and engage in eye contact, as I usually do, you do, um, I will perhaps give you a cookie at the end. Pretty good? Yeah, pretty good free cookie. <clears throat> so, this is an interaction between me and her right now. Just like God may interact with you. We'll talk about the consequences later. This is a reward. <clears throat> so, but I want you guys to go ahead and turn over to Ruth 2. We're going to look at rewards and how God rewarded Ruth for what she was doing. So we have learned that it is only through relationships with our children that we begin to understand who they are and they understand who we are and our expectations of them. As God's gift to us, we must raise them in such a way that mimics God's interactions with us as people. We can only see this through His scriptures. So we take the Bible seriously and continue on today with God's follow-through with His children whether with rewarding them with good or following through with consequences. And we'll look at those closely today. So, rewards. Uh, We will focus on this since most people want... Oh, I'm going to focus on rewards. If you know me, you know that I would rather know the consequences first and the rewards later so I know where not to go and then tell me about the reward. But... 
for the sense of this passage, and I know a lot of people would rather know about the rewards and then the boundary and the consequences, I'm going to go with the other people's idea first to give you a sense of, oh, I, if I do this, I can get that. So Ruth 2, 11 through 12, we're going to see how God, or even Boaz, acknowledges that Ruth has a reward. And Ruth 2, 11, where we'll pick up, it says, Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. So basically, acknowledging that Ruth had given up everything to follow her mother-in-law, to be joined to a people that followed an unseen God, followed um, a God that she may not have known otherwise, but she joined to her mother-in-law and gave up everything that she had known. And it goes on to say, as Boaz is blessing her, May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. With that being said, she had given up everything for her mother-in-law to be joined with the people of Israel. And yet, Boaz acknowledges that the reward that she will have will only be of food. But he wants it to be provided in full, is what he's talking about. And in Leviticus 26, 1 through 12, let's look at the reward for obedience and following just that. Following God's statutes. And then we'll take a closer look at understanding what the reward is. 26, 1 through 12 of Leviticus. You shall not make for yourself idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figure stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. So he's laying out again all the things that he had told Moses on Sinai. And this is what they'll get if they're obedient to him. These are the boundaries and the reverence that he'll take care of them. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I will give you rains in their season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear the fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you until grape gathering and grape gathering will last until sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your land. He's not promising anything more than what they need. Basically, from this season to this season, I will take care of you and make sure that you're gathering as much as you need. But you will chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will confirm my covenant with you. Remember, our children are a blessing from the Lord, and if He's multiplying as He has in this church, we're being blessed by Him. You will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. 
So they're getting a little bit more than just what they need. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Amazing that he wanted, if you do these things, I will be your God and I will walk among you. That's such a blessing to know he walks among us. He walks in this church. He walks with us as people today, as Katie was talking about in her testimony of faith. It's nice to know he's personally interacting with us. Yet, we need to know and we need to set clear expectations and rewards for our children so there's no confusion and not to set them too high. I know Dennis Prager talks about, uh, he has a book called Happiness is a Serious Problem. And in this book, he basically says that if you set your expectations too high, the person that sets that expectation is likely to be very, very disappointed. But if you lower your expectation, and it's basically reality, you're more likely to be fulfilled through it of that other person just as we will with our children. If we're expecting way too much, we're going to frustrate them, we're going to frustrate ourselves, and we're not going to have a very good relationship. So we need to have clear understanding of what we will provide for them. We also need to know and have clear understanding when we set rewards or boundaries for them that they can fulfill them. I was talking to somebody at work this week about children and how we generally give them rewards for, for starting to behave. And I said, I kind of just expect my children to behave. That's who they should be and what they should be doing. And then we started talking about rewards. And I said, how about a reward of going out with one of their parents to ice cream? And she looked at me. As you know, I'm in the behavioral therapist field. She looked at me and she said, you know, ice cream really doesn't work with parents anymore. And I thought to myself, have we gotten that far away from relationships where kids don't care to go to ice cream with their parents anymore? She went on to say that nowadays the kids really, they want um, games to play on their consoles. And as I went back, I started to think about that. That game has a better relationship than that parent. If that's the case for your children, you need to stop what you're doing and take the time and get to know them because going out to ice cream or spending time with them is building the relationship and giving them toys, giving them stuff to play on the videos, that is not a reward because you're not building a relationship. I'm giving that... I'm telling you this because what we need to do is build our relationships in our home with our children. That's what God wants. That's what he's telling us. Let's go on and look at Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. <clears throat> I also know that you know kids don't just want to hear that, well, if you do what I say and you clean the dishes, I guess I'll make you dinner again tomorrow, Right? They want to be able to store up more or know that they can earn other things. So, in Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, 
and the Lord will reward you. Now, don't do this just because you want to heap burning coals on your enemy. But do it because this is something that will actually store up a reward in heaven, not just something that will, um, that will just take care of your sustenance from day to day, if you will. Let's look at Luke 6, 31 through 36. This says the same thing that the Proverbs passage says in 25. And it's going back to the parable that we looked at a little bit last week. Says, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies. Jesus is telling them, love your enemies and do good to them. That is one of the hardest things. And that is something that I'm trying to wrap my mind around. Because in the next year, I need to work on this. I don't have a lot of enemies, but I do see people that only look out for themselves. And they'll throw me under the bus, if you will, if they need to. But the Bible's saying, love those people, do good for those people. Because then I will store up a reward in heaven. It goes on to say, And lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful and just as your Father is merciful. The other parts are just what He expects of us. But if we do good for those who can't repay us, We've, some of us have been on the end where we need to actually receive. That's great. That's showing love and kindness. And we can see how God will take care of us by other people. But this, if we do this and we help others who are in need, then we are storing up more of the treasures in heaven. Now, turn to 1 Samuel 24. As you turn there, this is a, the passage where it talks about David, and he could have killed King Saul. But this scripture, Proverbs, and what Jesus refers to here is going through David's mind and doing good for the person who is actually do, wishful to actually take David out. You see, in this passage, David is doing just what we read about in Proverbs and in Luke. Picking up in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 24, David, after whom has the king of Israel, he's calling out to Saul, after whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? The Lord therefore be judged and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my cause, and deliver me from your hand. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, can you imagine this? Saul's down there and he's listening. And Saul says, Is this your voice, my son David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept, because he knew that David had showed mercy. He said to David, You are my righteous 
You are more righteous than I, for you have dwelt, you have dealt with me, while I have dealt wickedly with you, acknowledging that he was sinful in what he was pursuing. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord deliver me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. So now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my, fa- my name from my father's household. David swore to Saul, and Saul went to his home. You see, it talks about how David will be rewarded one day for dealing kindly. He could have killed King Saul. In the same way, we've got to take moments with our children. When they see somebody do us wrong, And yes, our anger and our emotions may well up inside of us. But we've got to practice this before our kids are with us. Because we may not turn the other cheek and do good for that other person. But if we're practicing it now, our children will start to see us doing better to those who have done evil against us. And they will ask us why. Why, Mom? Why, Dad? They, were, they cut you off on the 91 freeway. They did this to you, and yet you're still being kind to them. Well, Rebecca, well, Hannah, it's because the scripture tells me to. I'm not worried about that person. I'm worried about what the scripture says. And by doing this, and writing them a, a grief card when somebody passes away, even though they haven't been kind to me, I'm hoping I'm storing up those treasures in heaven, but I'm also building the relationship with that person that's been doing me wrong. And by doing that, I'm teaching my children the same. So, God tells us to do this. He says, store up these rewards and we can do the same. We can show our children how to do it. For Matthew 6, 19-21, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You see, we've got to teach our children this. We've got to show them by our behaviors and not just tell them because they're going to see us when we act out, when our anger builds up and we act out in that way. Let's look at the consequences If you'll turn with me over to Exodus 16, we're going to go back to what we had talked about last week and where God's taking care of His children. But first, this may be difficult for some people to hear, but a person's actions will tell me a lot more of who they are and more than who they are. And sorry, this may be difficult for some people to hear, but some people's actions will tell me a lot more 
about them than who they want to become, but who they really are. I grew up with a, a saying in my home, actions speak louder than words. That is what will also speak to our children because our actions, not just our words, not telling our kids, do what I say, not what I do. That's exactly how our children are going to grow up, by doing what we do. Exodus 16, 4 says, going to this passage where God, the people of God, after they bring them out of Egypt, they're grumbling about food and not being able to find it. And God says, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. So he's basically telling them, I'll take care of them. Don't worry about that, Moses. And he goes on to give more specific instructions, and it says, This is what the Lord has commanded in verse 16. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in this tent. The son of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. Okay, I want to go back to verse 4, because it says in that verse right there, he's giving it to them, he's going to test them if they follow his instructions. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. They didn't follow a simple instruction. God's giving them what they need, and they've got to be able to follow what he says. But they didn't. You know what else I learned through this passage as I was preparing for today? It's okay to set and test our children to make sure they will follow through on what we say. To help them along, if you will, and maybe where they're weak. Does God not only also do the same thing for us? We are weak, but He is strong. He will help us come along, and we can actually glorify Him through our weaknesses. In the same way, if we help our children, we, it's okay to test them to make them stronger, to see if they'll follow through with what your words and your instructions are. Matthew 6 I could focus on actually condemnation, but I'm not going to because I want to focus on the instructions and the correction of God. God doesn't want to lose not even one of us, nor do I want to ever hear that any of your children went astray as they get older. I want to teach them, we need to teach them the correction today and to actually embrace it. For it's from the heart that our children and even ourselves, we do not actually follow in God's ways. For 6, Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Beware of practicing righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you 
as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Another way that it just reemphasizes helping those in need. We're storing up those treasures in the heaven. But I also, if you think about it, when you see a homeless person and you're with your children and you're going to lunch somewhere, if you do this repetitively, your children will say, well, we're not having lunch until dad or mom actually goes and makes sure they have something to eat. Why? Why, dad? Why do you do that all the time? Uh, Something, a similar question is asked during the Passover. Why is this night any different? the same way when we help somebody with the poor because our God the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob told us to help those in need in the same passage we don't want to let others know we don't want to blast it out that that's why we do it but whenever we deliver a meal or we help somebody eat that day it's okay to recognize why we do it it's okay to say because Jesus or my father in heaven of Abraham Isaac and Jacob told me to help others and that's exactly who I am I'm a disciple of the one true living God but don't walk around telling everybody what you've done but it's okay to acknowledge to the one that you're helping so that they know where it comes from this brings me to the passage of of where today's sermon comes from as we're checking the hearts of our children we've also got to check the hearts of who we are Now, Mary, you've been doing really good, so keep it up. But, let's see. Jake, if you will continue to do good through this passage, you've been making good eye contact, I'll give you a cookie too. Is that good? All right. Remember, these are my love cookies from Kara. Are you still looking for one? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> worry. So let me look at your heart. We're going to look at the heart of these workers. <laughs> In Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he has agreed with the laborers for a denarius, For the day, he sent them into his vineyard. I'm telling you right now, the cookies are better than a denarius, so. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And and to those he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so, they went. And he went out about the sixth and ninth hour, and did the same thing. So throughout the day, he's periodically checking in to see if people still need work. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to him, his foreman, call the laborers and pay them wages, their wages, beginning to, with the last group 
to the first. I love this because those ones that have been laboring all day long, they're going to get to see what the, the first ones or the last ones to be hired actually get. When those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. When the hired first came, when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a, den- a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, "These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden." And the scorching heat of the day, the landowner, the master, if you will, says to them, "Friend, I have, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree for me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own?" Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first, and the first last. You know, a lot of people get jealous of the one who actually comes to Christ right at the end of their life. How can he enter into heaven? Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. That person that comes in right at the end. He will enter into heaven, but he didn't have a whole lifelong process with the Messiah and Savior, the one that has given you your produce day in and day out, who you have a relationship with. He may enter into heaven, but you have a lifelong memory and history with him, and he may receive a similar reward of gaining and getting into heaven, but his rewards won't be great because he didn't follow him that whole time. We should not. We've got to check our children's hearts. This passage is talking about the heart. Who are we as parents? Do we have a heart after God that is trying to seek Him, or do we have a heart after these men of entitlement? People talk about entitlement. How this generation is entitled. Well, the scripture just gives us that same sense of entitlement there that this generation has. Well, you owe me this. Those men in that passage of Matthew said the same thing. Don't you? I should be getting at least a denarius and a half. We've got to test that. We've got to get this out of our children if it's there. You see, if we're grateful for what God has given us, He's likely to give us a lot more. Later on, but we got to show that we will be positive, and that we will take ownership for what He has blessed us with already. You're doing good, Jake and Mary. We're going to work on the heart of some other people. <laughs> We're going to talk about a positive legacy now. As I was talking, you'll turn over to Proverbs three eleven through twelve. As I was talking about the correction of the heart and the correction of our children, and it's okay to test our children to make sure that their hearts in the right place and they're headed the right direction. 
we come to the time where we'll continue to focus on helping our children become better people. And in Proverbs 3, it says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as the father corrects the son in whom he delights. A lot of times nowadays, our children are not having correction put into them. Sometimes our children see us and they know that we shouldn't actually be, um, or they know that we should be corrected in our own behaviors. And we've got to show them how we will embrace when we need to be corrected. Because if we're over here, we're outside the boundaries, and God says, and taps us on the bottom, if you will, and puts us back inside the boundaries, that's a love tap. If our children aren't following the ways that we want them to, and we don't correct them, especially when they're younger, then we're not showing love towards them because they're not following the boundaries and they're going their own way. They've got to stay within certain guidelines. And we need to be teaching them the boundaries, not just in our home, but of God. I was thinking about this over the past week. One of the questions that came up last week was about um, setting clear expectations and understanding with our children and rewarding them in such a way. And it came up about a child or two children actually selling Girl Scout cookies. And I, I was able to process through this this week. And I'll tell you right now, my answer has changed since last week a little bit. Because as I studied these scriptures, what was presented to me was, you know, the younger one didn't have the same attention span, and I had set a, a time limit for them to be working at the tables. And I realized that my correction, um, I went ahead and thought about rewarding the one that didn't stay there for three hours. I don't see in the scripture where God ever says, you know what, I'll go ahead and give you the reward too. I just don't see it. He's merciful. We'll talk about the mercy of God. But let me tell you what this does. If we set an unfair expectation for our children and still reward them, that actually allows them to think that, oh, maybe I don't need to do the full thing of what my mom or my dad actually expect of me. I'll go ahead and reward. I'll still get the reward because my brother and my sisters are getting it. But what this could do is enhance the relationship. If you go ahead and reward the other ones and you're talking to the one that didn't fulfill what you set, you can actually say, you know what? I need to be the one who's corrected because I set an unfair expectation of you. It's causing you to see and for them to see that you are open to the correction. And if you stop there and you say, look, I'm going to use my daughter's, Rebecca, I told you if you did this for five minutes and you could only handle two and a half minutes, I'm wrong, baby. Maybe I need to adjust that. And I stop right there it gives her the opportunity to say, you know what, Papa? You're right. I could have done the five, but I didn't. I chose to go play. It allows the communication. It allows us to, to build our relationship. And next time, 
what I may say. If she says that to me, I may say, okay, you know what? We'll take it from five to four minutes. I want to reward you in that way. But giving them the reward, even though they didn't fulfill it, it kind of sets the wrong tone. And that's what I've learned through the scriptures this week. God still allows us to get there, but he may not give us the full reward. And we're talking about building our relationships and fair expectations of our children. And I love that answer where Darissa talked about that. You know what? Maybe we, that causes more uh, communication and builds that relationship next time. So I thought about that and dwelled on that this, this week. Leviticus 26, 40 through 45. We're going to see just that. God is going to give them heeds and warnings of what not to do. But yet what God does is he's merciful and he still allows them to turn back to them when they are wrong. As I was saying, Leviticus 26, picking up in verse 40. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their forefathers in their unfaithfulness, which they committed against me, and also in their acting with hostility against me, I also was acting with hostility against them to bring them into the land of their enemies or if their uncircumcised heart becomes humbled so that they then make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. And I will remember also my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham as well. And I will remember the land, for the land will be abandoned by them and will make up for its Sabbath while it is made desolate without them. They, meanwhile, will be making amends for their iniquity and because they rejected my ordinances and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them, nor will I so abhor them as to destroy them, breaking my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God, but I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God, and I am the Lord. You see, he's saying, I may not reward them in full, but what I will do is, if they will correct their hearts and their behaviors, I will take them back. That covenant's still in place today, and that's what God is talking about. We can see that in the book of Jonah with Nineveh. Nineveh's not even a Jewish land, but he's, he sends Jonah to correct the people and because of their hearts and their actions, not just their words, but their actions, they tore their clothes, they put on ash and sackcloth, God had mercy on them. In the same way, we must also show our children mercy when their hearts are changed. Because that child, what it does, if we go ahead and reward them, it changes their heart and allows them to think that they can get a reward later on without earning it. And it starts to change their heart and it starts to change their mind in a way that God doesn't have intended for us. For He wants us humble and coming before Him. So, leaving a legacy for our children 
is all we can do. This isn't even considered a a reward in heaven, but I'm going to tell you right now, a legacy and passing on the way in which our children should walk is a blessing beyond any understanding. Many of us aren't grandparents in here right now. We hope to be one day if our children make it that far, right? <clears throat> You'll get there. But we do have days where we wonder if they'll make it to the next, even by our own hand, if they'll make it there. <clears throat> but the scripture says in Third John 1, 2 through 4, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you, have, you may prosper and be good in health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you are walking in the truth. Now the truth is the Bible and the scriptures and what God sets forth. It says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. They're in these boundaries. They're, they're earning these rewards. You see, that is the blessing of a parent. When they see their grown children grow up and they have their own family and they're continuing on in the scriptural ways, that is a true blessing and a true reward that you receive here on earth. In conclusion, we must recognize that these children that we have are a gift of the Lord. Whether you are a parent or just an outside influence, you will have an impact on every child you come across. You can choose to be a positive influence or just walk on by and not invest in their lives. However, parents are called to a higher calling with their own children and have a higher responsibility Mom and dads, you can choose to pass along the struggling future by not changing your bad behaviors, not spending time with your children. And by doing this, you give your children a higher probability of being separated from the Eternal Father and yourself for all eternity. That is, if you're a true believer. Or, you can choose the way of life and the teaching of God's scriptures and how He interacts with us. As He takes time to get to know us personally, we must also spend time with our children, for they are all different. Helping to set limits and clear boundaries to live by, and help them reach their full potential by correcting them when they are weak, without causing too much frustration. And by doing this, we will secure a positive legacy for our children and the next generation and hopefully the generations to follow. I want to also add this. Frustration for a child to a certain limit is healthy. Frustration and anxiety can provoke us to better behaviors. So when we need to correct or not reward at times to get a better behavior out of our child... It's okay, for we hope for the better legacy and the generations to follow. For in 1 Timothy 1.12, it says, I pray you choose the latter, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day.
You see, our children need to know that we are trusting in God and that our ways are His ways as we parent them. Let us pray.